0: We're going to continue worshiping together by reading God's word as a congregation. And we are in the book of Revelation, as you've heard already this morning. And so I want to invite you to turn there with me, Revelation chapter 19. We're going to be reading in Revelation chapter 19. And while you're doing that, I don't want to alarm anybody, I don't want to scare you or put you on edge, but there are nine days until Christmas morning. There are nine calendar days before Christmas morning. Now, the best statistics we have in a general sense tell us that the average American will spend about 700 dollars per person on Christmas gifts, items to bring, as housewarming uh, gifts as they walk into Christmas parties, to a total of about 485 billion American dollars spent during the month of December on Christmas items. Now, for some of us, that may have just stressed you out. That may have made you nervous. That made you feel great anxiety financially. It may have stirred up all those things. But for children and the next generation, those that will be receiving those gifts, it has stirred up in them an anticipation and an excitement that they cannot wait for these nine days to fly by to find out what's under the tree, what you will hand them, and what you will give them. You know, at any given time, we are usually waiting on something. We are anticipating, we're longing, we're waiting for something, just like many people in our culture are waiting to open gifts in just a few days. Now, we're in the book of Revelation, and let me just briefly remind you that this book was written to Christians in the first century, This book or this letter, this revelation from God to a follower of God named John who wrote down what he saw and heard and passed on to first century Christians and thereby passing on to us, they were waiting too. They were waiting too. Their waiting may have looked a little bit different than ours, but they were waiting. The first century Christians this letter was written to, they they were experiencing tremendous hardship for being followers of Jesus Christ. Some of us, you, you may be poked fun at or called a simpleton to believe in something that you cannot prove tangibly because we are a people of faith. You may have endured some sort of persecution or hardship for your fellowship of Jesus Christ, but these first century Christians were literally being harmed physically, and some of them were losing their lives. They were being martyred for the sake of professing there is a God and his name is Jesus. They were waiting on God to fulfill everything he had promised them. Jesus had come, God in the flesh. That's what we celebrate this month. That's what Advent means a coming or an arrival. And that had happened. God had poured himself into the person of Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, able to identify with the struggles and the hardship of what it means to be human, but also God. Not only can he sympathize, but he can do something about it because God never gave up his divinity when Jesus came into the world. He's still fully God that had already happened and god had promised this beautiful but broken world that carries the curse and and the stain of sin where relationships die and things are not right and there is evil in our world one day this will come to an end and that was the purpose of the first advent jesus coming to make his way to the cross little baby jesus grew up to be grown man savior jesus and on the cross at calvary he laid down his life in exchange for the brokenness and the sins of humanity And so in Christ and through faith in him, we can find hope, we can find forgiveness, we can find do-overs and second chances. And Jesus had told them, I'm literally going to a place, a literal place called heaven. And if I go there, I will go and prepare a place for you. I promise you that. And that future place that we read about in Revelation, it's perfect and it's right. And everything is just. There's no hardship and there's no struggle. It's unending joy and peace Righteousness and justice. The people had heard that and they had believed that. But things were difficult. They were hard and they were wondering and most likely praying out loud, How long, O Lord? Come, Lord Jesus. When are you going to come back and completely fulfill all that your Father has promised us? And so I'd like to say to you if you're waiting on something, you're longing for something, an unmet expectation, an unanswered prayer, or something else that you're waiting and longing for in your life. The people that Revelation was written to can identify with that. And I believe God has a word for us in the same way that he did 2,000 years ago when he sent his son in the flesh. Now I want you to see exactly what that word of hope, comfort, and joy is. Don't take my word for it. See where it's true in scripture. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word as we read from Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, and we're going to read verses 6 through 10 together. John, a follower of God, tells us this account. Then I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude, like the sound of cascading waters, and like the rumbling of loud thunder. And it was saying, Hallelujah, because our Lord God the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has prepared herself. She was given fine linen to wear, which was bright and pure, for the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. And he also said to me, these words of God are true. And then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, John, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers and sisters who hold firmly to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then I heard something like the vast multitude of cascading and crushing waters and the rumbling of loud thunder as the people of God said, Hallelujah, because the Lord our God reigns. And so we will worship him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, in this season of busyness, cultural expectations of picking out the right gift and going to all of the events and fulfilling all of the obligations, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would still our hearts and slow us down long enough to marvel at the one thing that we shouldn't miss this season, and it's that all of the promises of God come true in the person of Jesus Christ. We celebrate his arrival, and we cannot wait for his return. And we pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, I mentioned that the people of God were waiting for Jesus to come back. They could have as much of the promises of God in the here and now as they wanted. They they could have God's peace through Jesus. God offered that to them, he offers that to us, that life is difficult, things are messy, but you can lay your head down at night and sleep peacefully knowing that God is sovereign and you can trust those things to him. Now, this world is still broken and messy, but you and I, just like they could, they could have peace. They could have peace and they could have joy and they could have confidence. Then God promised through his Holy Spirit, the presence of the risen Jesus, that they could have comfort, they could have encouragement, that they would be exhorted, And we can have those things too, but we know that it's it's interrupted, that something isn't right. There is still sin in our world and earth and life and relationships. Humans bear the curse of that, that we can have those things, but it's not perfect as God originally intended for it to be. And God had said, when I send my son back for you, he will begin or unleash an eternal kingdom where all of that will come to completion. And God will bring justice and righteousness, and he will take care of all that is wrong. And this kingdom that I've promised you will be perfect, limitless, and unbroken and uninterrupted. And that's what they were waiting on. That's what they were longing for. And the anticipation built, and it built, and it built. Several years ago, we went out west, and we went to see Old Faithful in Yellowstone Park. And you're not really sure when it's going to go off, but there is a schedule. About every 60 to 110 minutes, it goes off. And being the the checklister that I am and wanting to get to everything in the park at just the right time and have room for all of it, I rush the family out of the car. We gotta get there. We gotta see Old Faithful. And there are rows and rows, if you've been there, of bleacher-type seats, just benches wrapped around this geyser that goes off about every hour and 10 minutes. And I had always heard, it's awesome. You're going to want to see this. It's powerful. And since the beginning of the earth and when God created it, it just goes off like it's own clockwork. So I rushed the family out of the car and we, we make our way towards Old Faithful and I can see that, that the mist is kind of floating through the air. It just stopped. It just stopped and we missed it. And all I could think about was, it's going to be an hour and ten minutes with three young children. I, I, I don't know if I can nail them to the bleachers, but if we could just sit and wait and watch, and there's really nothing else to do. And so we waited, and we longed, and the minutes seemed like hours. Maybe not to them, but to the parents most definitely. We waited, and we longed, and... And all of a sudden, somebody said, I I I think it's about an hour. I think it's about an hour. And I I look at the guy next to me. I don't know him. Who knows where in the country he's from? But I said, is it about that time? And he's like, it's about that time. We were so excited. And all of a sudden, the rumbling and the slow little mist starts to come up. And it erupted. And the Bryant family went crazy. We stood up and we clapped. And the guy next to me and other people that don't even know each other were just cheering and taking photos and pictures. And we were so excited. That moment had finally come. One of the things that we see in this text is that the people had been waiting. They were longing for God to complete that perfect kingdom he had promised them during the first advent and the promises of God in the person of Jesus Christ that when it finally began to happen, they could not contain their joy and their excitement because they had been waiting for this moment. Now, revelation is the revelation of the revealing of the future events that one day God is going to send his son Jesus back. And those of us who are followers of Jesus, we will be there with those past, present, and future who place their faith in Jesus Christ. The church will be gathered together. They had been waiting. We are waiting. We're longing for that. And when it happened, the church went crazy, and they began to worship, and they began to sing. And John, John's grabbing for, like, word pictures and metaphors to try to describe the undescribable. Like, that's a hard assignment. Like, and, and the best he can do is to say it sounded like rushing waters. It was so thick and so deafening, it was like cascading waters. I can remember about 20 years ago standing at the edge of Niagara Falls, and it's so big and expansive, your eyes can hardly even take it all in, but you can hear the thunderous roar of the waters. It really is almost deafening. And John said the praise and the worship, the people were unhinged. They were so excited that Jesus was returning. Jesus is coming back for his people, and his kingdom is beginning, as God had always said it is. And so they worship, and they sing, and they praise him. And they said hallelujah, and they rejoiced, and they gave him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb had come, and his bride had prepared herself, because she was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure, and the linen garments that they wore represented the righteous acts of the saints. They were so thrilled that this kingdom of eternal peace and comfort and joy and unbroken relationship with God was happening. They had been longing for it, they had been waiting on it, that they could not contain themselves any longer. And as much as Advent and Christmas time is celebrating the arrival of Christ, it is a building up, it is an anticipation, it is a longing for the day of the second advent, the second coming of Christ. So when we gather and we sing on the Sunday mornings in December, we're celebrating the arrival of Christ, but we are also praising and rejoicing. God, we can't wait for that moment because everything you've ever told us will come true and evil will be gone and sin will be eradicated and a just, righteous, unending kingdom will begin and we'll be there with God and we will be his people. And really, that's what worship is. I mean, worship really is three words. I mean, the definition for worship is really three words. It's revelation and response. It's revelation and response. God reveals himself, and he reveals his truth to us, and we as his people, we respond in the best way that we know how. And on Sunday mornings, we, we worship in a number of ways. We worship through prayer. That's an act of worship, trusting God with, with our hearts and the vulnerability to present to him our Our concerns and and our anxiety and our requests, that's an act of worship. But, But we also sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. We worship to the truth in response to the reality that God is good and he is faithful. And really, that's what worship is on Sunday morning. It's a covenant renewal service. Covenant means God has told us he will love us and never leave us or forsake us, even if we're not really good at keeping that covenant promised back to him. He tells us he will love us and never leave us or forsake us. And so when we gather on Sundays, we see in Scripture and the songs we sing and the prayers we pray, God is our God, and we declare that we are his people, and we worship in response to that. And they were there for worship, and at worship in heaven, it it, it was like a wedding ceremony. It was like a, a wedding ceremony with an incredible feast and reception that happened after that. And the word picture throughout the Bible, when we see marriage, it's, it's a metaphor that's used in the Old Testament and the New Testament that describes the relationship between God and his people. Often throughout Scripture, Jesus is, is referred to, and the, the word picture there is that the people are the bride of Christ, the church, the gathered believers of Jesus Christ, and that he is the bridegroom, meaning that he is the groom, the groom who has done everything possible to demonstrate his love For his bride. The reason the marriage in heaven, the celebration of being in perfect relationship with God, the the definition here or the, the expression here is the marriage of the lamb. The reason the word lamb is used is it's it's there to remind us of what this bridegroom has done for his bride. The lamb, who in this culture and in first century Jerusalem, was the sacrificial animal. It was the sacrificial animal to lay down its life and to offer covering or protection over those who deserve to pay for their sins with their own life. The lamb laid down his life in exchange for ours. And so the marriage of the lamb is to remind us of what Jesus has done on our behalf so that God can be in relationship with us, or rather we can be in relationship with him. And the marriage of the lamb has come. This is the perfect relationship that we'll have with Jesus As much as God is faithful and good and true to us, we struggle to keep that back to him, don't we? There are moments, like maybe when the songs are sung and the choruses ramp up and we we feel good and we feel committed to Jesus. And on Monday morning, we don't feel so committed to Jesus, do we? It's hard throughout the week. Some of us will have a 10-day break from work, and that will be exciting. But for many of us, you will have 10 full days with family and friends, And for some of us, that's exciting. For others of us, that is our prayer request at this time of year. And it doesn't feel easy, and it doesn't naturally come to worship and to praise and to get excited about our God because of our flesh and our sinfulness and our self-centered propensity. And so one of the things that we see here is that it will be a perfect relationship where God, as he always has, will fulfill and keep his promises, and will finally be able to do the same. The relationship will be right, and it will be perfect And one of the things we will celebrate for all eternity is that our bridegroom has done everything possible to prepare us for this moment. Listen, when we get to this great wedding ceremony in heaven, and that day's coming, we'll be dressed and ready for the occasion. We'll be dressed and ready for the occasion. I mean, think about it. There's nothing worse than showing up underdressed to a formal event. Like sometimes I've learned when I was a young man it said dress casual, I teetered on the edge of the casual portion of dress casual. And I'd walk in and be like, I am woefully underdressed. So then I started keeping blazers in the trunk or in the car just to make sure if I needed to throw one on, I was prepared. You ever showed up at something and you're underdressed? You'd like, you want to hide behind the ferns or the the hors d'oeuvres or something. Like how can I not be seen that I'm underdressed? I'm not ready for this. Listen, some of us, we're not sure about coming into the house of the Lord. And when we know that God is available to us, we, we feel like we're not, we're not presentable to God. And some of us, we, we've made mistakes in the past, or we've done certain things, or we feel like God loves when the preacher preaches, he's talking to that person or that person, but he's not talking to me because if God really knew my story, or if the pastor really knew what I had done, God wouldn't want anything to do with me. Now the wonderful reality is that even though your flesh may suggest that to you, and even though the enemy may suggest that messaging to you, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, what God does is he gives you the righteous reputation of his son. You are clothed, you are robed in his righteousness, which is bright and pure and spotless. And for some of us who feel like we want to wear a mask because we can't really be vulnerable or ourselves, or maybe you put one on because you want other people to see the you that you want them to see. And it's exhausting, it's fatiguing to keep up that perception. Or maybe you don't even try. You just just kind of hang out in the shadows because you're scared to draw close to the Lord. You won't have to wear a mask in heaven. You won't have to pretend to be somebody else. There'll be nothing to be ashamed of. There'll be no guilt, no shame, no embarrassment, none whatsoever. Because the Bible says that the bride showing up for the wedding, that's us, is dressed in pure, spotless, bright garments. We are so appropriately dressed, and it has nothing to do with our effort or us being there. It has to do everything with what God has done in Jesus on our behalf to offer us that reputation. And in heaven, it will be a literal place where Jesus is there forever and we're in a perfect right relationship and we will want to draw near to him. There will be no awkwardness. There will be no separation. There'll be no barriers between us and him and it will be perfect, unending, limitless. And the people were so excited that was happening. And that's what we long for, uninterrupted, unbroken, perfect relationship with God where we can be truly and fully ourselves and let our guard down and know that we are fully loved. They were so excited about that. And that's what Advent is. We we long for that. We long for that. And they were so thrilled about that, what God had done for them in the person of Jesus Christ. And so they celebrate worthy is the lamb and praise our God for doing that for us. We cannot wait to celebrate with you. And think about it. I mean, like, what is a wedding without a great reception to celebrate, right? I spoke with someone recently who went to a wedding, and they said, man, the wedding was like 20 minutes, but the reception was like six hours long. I said, well, how was that? They were like, it was awesome. We celebrated God's goodness and his faithfulness to our friends and this couple and to all of us, and we, we reveled in that. And the Bible says that there, there's an angel, if, if you've been reading Revelation, You've been tracking with us. There's an angel who's guiding John through this revelation, helping him kind of navigate the different visions and what he's seeing. And the angel tells him, Then he said to me, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. And our invitation comes wrapped in our response. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the way we gain access to this banquet, to celebrate with Jesus for all eternity that He is our God and we are His people, the thing that gets us access to that celebration, which will be incredible and never ending. It'll be better than six, seven, eight hours. We'll go on forever and ever where we will celebrate and be filled with joy and excitement and be fully satisfied. And the thing that gains us entrance, not only to the wedding, but to the great reception and wedding feast for all eternity, is our faith and belief in the person of Jesus Christ. It's our faith and belief in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not our works. It's not our effort. It's not being religious. It's not about being moral. Certainly all of those things have a place or a part in what it means to be human. But what Jesus simply says is, this is who I am and this is what I've done. And this is not only your reality now. I'll give you these things now, but you will have them in unlimitless portions For all eternity, an unbroken relationship with me in the life to come. And the thing that gains you access or entrance to that is your belief that I have done that and I can offer you that. And so this this time of life when we're busy, especially this time of year when we're worn out and we're tired, and many of us, this is a time we're supposed to celebrate and like, God, you are so good. You have come and you will come and we can't wait for that advent. Some of us will slide in under the tree on Christmas morning, broke down and burn out and tired and fatigued and weary and anxious and stressed because we didn't slow down long enough to realize that Jesus says, cease striving. Slow down. Come to me and let me prove to you I am who I am and I will do what I say I will do. And that is what fills our voices when we sing and when we pray is it's our declaration, Lord, we are a people of faith and we believe you're going to do everything you've promised us. And Jesus told the disciples and I will echo this to you this morning. You don't if you're tired and weary, many of us are, right? We we may wear it. We may put on a good face, but we're tired. We're weary and we're heavy-burdened. If that's you, I'm just going to echo something to you. You don't need new information this morning. I don't need to burden you with new information or a nuanced look at this passage. Like, let me just tell you what Jesus said. Jesus has always promised to honor his word. He's never promised to honor what I tell you or what we tell each other. But he's always said, my word will not return to me void. It will do what I intend for it to do. And Jesus told people who were following him and his disciples, if you're tired, if you're weary, if you're worn out, if you're longing for joy and peace, confidence, comfort, and righteousness, if you long for these things, then come to me. If you're tired, weary, and heavy burdened or heavy laden, come to me and take up my yoke. That's my teaching, what I'm telling you. It can be trusted. Then put your faith in me because I am lowly and humble in heart. Jesus does not have a desire to manipulate you or doesn't want something from you. What God wants is to be in relationship with the people he created. That's you. That's me. That's us. That's what Jesus wants. Isn't it great to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't need anything from us, doesn't want anything from us? There's nothing in it for them. They simply love us as Jesus does because we're created in the image of God and created for relationship with him. And Jesus said, come to me because in me you'll find rest. You'll find rest for your weary souls for my yoke, my way of life, me in you, is easy and my burden is light. And so... Worship is revelation and response, right? That's what the whole book is about. God reveals that he's going to fulfill everything he ever promised in the New Testament and everything he ever promised in all of Scripture. And the people respond in worship. They sing, they praise, cascading thunder. It's revelation and response. If you're tired, if you're weary, if you're anxious, if you're eager, maybe you're just like, I'm I'm not really any of those, but like I have so much, I don't know what's going to happen in the year ahead. Like I, I kind of want to see how it's all going to play out. That's you. Jesus says, come to me. Give that to me. Lean in and see if I can't provide for you everything I promised. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor, all of the names of Jesus, plus so much more that God told us he would become, is available in the person of Jesus Christ. And so the invitation is come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He has revealed himself through his word. Now we have the opportunity to respond God will fulfill every promise he's ever given us. And they all come true in the person of Jesus Christ. He has come. We celebrate that. We are so grateful for forgiveness of sin and salvation in Jesus Christ. But we cannot wait for the ultimate and final completion where all will be made perfect and everything will be fully right. And until that, we pray, come, Lord Jesus. How long, Lord, until this happens? But until that takes place and we wait and we long and we anticipate... We lean in and we trust Jesus, and we ask him to give us his joy and to give us his peace and to give us his hope. It's always there for the taking. The question is, do we want it, and are we willing to trust our lives to him with it? Let me encourage you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment.